Definitely feels like everyone needs a little time on their own in the pinball hobby, doesn't it? I mean, people get burnt out, they get frustrated, they lash out. We're going to talk a little bit about that on this episode 258 of Canada's Pinball Podcast, because I know this podcast has been named as one of the reasons why someone is sick and tired of the pinball hobby and the pettiness and the drama. And I want to talk a little bit about that because it's kind of funny how other pinball podcasts are getting it all wrong and have no idea the actual story. We're going to talk a little bit about that at the end of this podcast. But before we do that, we've got a bunch of pinball news we want to talk about that's happening this week. And, and where do I start? Where do I start? Let's start with this bit of news. Um, a new member of the pinball world has joined the Deep Root family, uh, and that is no other than Paul Ferris. Dennis Nordman announced yesterday that Paul Ferris, who is an artist that if you know pinball and you know pinball history, uh, then you are probably very familiar um, with Mr. Paul Ferris, who has made games, you know, I'm looking at Pinside right now. I mean, where do you even start? Since the late 70s, he's been making games like Playboy, Paragon, uh, Xenon, Centaur, uh, all the way up into the 90s when he did Back to the Future, Fan of the Opera, Batman, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Hook, Royal Rumble. GoldenEye, Twister, and Vacation America. So Paul Ferris has been in the pinball world for a very, very long time, and he is now joining up with Deep Root uh, to provide art for an original Dennis Nordman game, and, and not just the translate, but the cabinet and the play field. So uh, what do we think about that? Uh, I don't know. How, you, how are you supposed to judge an artist uh, who is doing work that we haven't even seen yet? I, I, look, I think the key takeaway here is, is that Deep Root, I think a lot of you have to feel this way. They have to be for real. Like there has to be something really going on over there. Um, I always enjoy talking to Robert and I think this just adds more and more curiosity into the mix. And and there seems to be a lot of games being worked on at once. So everything from John's games to Dennis's games to Barry O's games to John Norris's games, that's a lot of people. And for everyone to be busy and making a paycheck and doing work at Deep Root means that stuff has to be moving forward. Now, I, it's just crazy because, like, are these guys just going to flip a switch one day and all of a sudden they've got five, six titles coming out in a year? Or are they going to pace it out, like, two games a year? Even if they can do more than one game every year and a half, they're well ahead of the production schedule of companies like Jersey Jack and and even Spooky. So I, I think these guys have... A, uh, I I think they have a big team. I, I just we haven't seen anything. We haven't seen anything now. When it comes to pinball art, you know I, I think uh, his stuff is some of it's amazing, some of it's not as great. But the stuff that's not as great, like in the '90s and the Stern era stuff, like I again I I don't think Stern put as much into art in that era. So uh, we'll see what he comes up with. I'll say this about art in general. Uh, there are so many amazing artists, and sometimes I feel like in the pinball world, it's weird to me 
that almost like we keep going back to the same artists from yesteryears as if we can't find new artists. And I think if you look at the amazing art that Christopher Franchi and, and Zombie Yeti and Dirty Donnie have brought to Stern, I mean, they're all new guys to pinball. These aren't guys that grew up in the 70s and 80s and 90s making pinball art. And if you look at, you know, like Jersey Jack goes and gets, you know, the artist who did twilight zone and and to do dialed in i don't think dialed in art looks anywhere nearly as good as the artwork that uh zombietti dirty donnie and franchi are kicking out there so i what my point is this the competition in the pinball art world is as high as it's ever been and you either need to be as good as or better than the artist that stern is cranking out to impress people the bar has been raised. There's no doubt about it. Um, speaking of that, speaking of that, did you see what Christopher Franchi put up on Facebook? He put up an image. This is not a pinball image. It's just an image that he created of Elvira. And it looks buttery sweet. I mean, it looks incredible. And I think, I don't know if it's a teaser. We know Stern is making Elvira. The fact that this guy has a, a super, super sexy ability to, to bring Elvira to life um, makes people excited. And I have to say, I, I look, I still think Franchi's artwork is just so perfect for pinball. So uh, that is exciting. Again, the pinball art world is the best it's ever been, without a doubt. All right. What else is happening in the pinball world? So I watched another stream. I feel like this is all I do with Pirates of the Caribbean. I just watch streams of them playing the game. So um, Keith and and Eric, they were streaming the final production version of the game for people. About a, It was like a half hour, 45 minute stream. And I watched it. And they've added some stuff. They added the ships blowing up. We, we're watching them play. And, and I've said it before, like pinball streams are not really the best way to know if you like a game or not. You have to jump on the game. I want to jump on the game. But I literally, I literally, when I watch the stream, I, I, I can't get over the amount of text that happens on the screen of this game. I, I'm literally like flabbergasted that Keith thinks it's a good idea to have so much text happening on a screen. It, it, it is... Go watch the stream. I'm not making this up. You can go watch the screen, um, the stream, and screen grab or freeze it at different moments where it's just like listing like like ten different things happening in terms of like all the different things you need to do to complete the mode. And I came away thinking like, what is going on with the coding of this game? It is almost like what you see on the screen is like the manual to Pirates of the Caribbean. It's like they made a game where you're playing through the manual of the game. Like, it's it's so incredibly strange to me, the amount of text on the screen. I mean, if we think about, if we think about pinball machines before Jersey Jack put the big LCD into the game, right? Before Jer Jack, there was nothing but DMDs. And a DMD meant that you had to communicate what needed to happen in a pinball game 
in, in a very finite space, in a very short period of time. Um, and that meant that most of the communication needed to take place on the pinball machine itself of where you shoot or within the callouts of the game. And I don't think most people play games from you know, the, the 90s and are like really confused and needed a big screen to communicate everything you need to do. In fact, most pinball games, the objective of what to do in the game is actually found on the card that is on the apron of the machine. Like a little, what is it? Like a, like a three by two inch card tells you the objective of the game. And so when I watch Pirates of the Caribbean and it's like, 22 characters and all this stuff and all this stuff that needs to be explained and all these things it's like it's like it's like they made a role-playing game that has like an rpg when it needed to be more like super mario brothers where i just need to know how do i get from a to b in this game like it is it's impossible for me to figure out and and that is why i think there's so much on it and another thing too is as i look at the game and it's beautiful to look at like don't get me wrong like i look at this game and i'm like this game is sexy as fuck it just is but then i look down at it and i'm like ask yourself one question why are there so many inserts on the play field? Like, what is going on? It's like, literally, they went overboard, no pun intended, on the amount of inserts. Like, inserts don't equal better game. Like, more inserts make it more confusing. Like, why do you need so many inserts to guide people through your pinball experience? I, I it's look like seriously, like hit pause. I, I there's probably over a hundred inserts on that play field. And couple that with the fact that you've got this like screen and there's a map and like you know, there's like there's like a, a a magnifying glass or like a telescope moving over areas of the map with lines moving. There's numbers everywhere. Then all of a sudden, like all these screens come up listing all these things. It just boggles my mind that they made it so complex. I'm sorry. It's a pinball machine, guys. It's a pinball machine. If I could give one word of advice to everyone over at JJP, it's just like stop. Stop making these games like they need a 200-page manual to figure out what to do. It would have been so much easier to be like, you're a pirate and you need to do this. Like, why do I need 22 different things that equal these kinds of scorings, these kinds of advantages? This this person puts you into mode, which equals this multiplier, which equals this, which equals that, which the, I, I, I can't, I don't even, I don't even understand what's happening. Like, am I trying to get through the movies? Like, am I trying, like, what is the point of all of this colliding on a screen? At, it's literally... Literally, and the, here's what kills me, is the game doesn't need all that. Why did it need all of that? And it just feels like, it's like they let people go off and, and just go overboard and went too far on everything. Like, someone needs to reel Keith in and, and just tell him, stop, stop. Was you, you're going too deep into everything. I don't want to see an LCD screen that has like 25 different things on it at once. What are you doing? It's a pinball machine. You literally have fractions of a second to look up and see what you're doing. And I say this because when I look at how Stern is treating the LCD, it's not 
nearly as confusing and impossible to follow as what's going on. And, and, and that's my opinion. And, and you can agree or you can disagree. And it, it, it really pains me to watch all this because I think what's happening at Jersey Jack is they've got so much talent. They've got so much ability to make these amazing pinball machines, and they just don't know when to stop. They don't know that the best ideas, the best ideas in the world are simple ideas. The best movies in the world are easy to explain what's going on, right? I got to get the DeLorean to 88 miles an hour with, you know, with enough energy to get back to the future. All right, I got to take this ring and I got to throw it into the fires of Mount Doom and go to Mordor to save the world. All right, I need to defeat Darth Vader. Like, it's just, you know, when you, when you get really confusing, like, what is the goal of Pirates of the Caribbean? It, to me, I watch the game and it's like, I feel like the goal of the narrative is just to score points. It's like to get through these modes, but it's like, how... Like, by not having one protagonist, by not knowing exactly what you're doing, it's like you're just playing this, you're playing like all the random elements of the franchise to score points. But ultimately, they should have just made it all about being Jack. And he's the protagonist. And you are Jack Sparrow. And the goal of the game is to do this. Like, it, they just need to stop and and that's it that's it sorry i'm not going to keep going on i i just i just feel like jersey jack has the greatest potential to make the greatest pinball machines and physically and engineering wise and code like all of the key elements are there and they just don't know how to get it to a place where it's like simple equals great a simple, beautifully executed game is all you need. The depth can be there, but you don't need 150 inserts to guide a player to a game. And multipliers two times, three times, four times does not make a story better. It just doesn't. What makes a great, a great pinball machine is the journey, not all the fucking bullshit like, scoring this this that calm like all these things i want to feel like i'm a pirate and and i have a goal and i know what that is and and i'm not just like looking down at a million different things to do at once all right maybe am i wrong keith come on the show talk to me how i'm wrong how 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 there is a simple thing going on here that you're missing canada um eric i would love for you to come on because i think it's all there and it's just all too much i, I just can't get my head around it. it it's like playing the manual it feels like i'm playing the manual to a game when i watch it um and again, email me, guys, if you have one. If, if I'm missing something, canadapinball at gmail.com. I'm, I'm not, I, I don't feel like I'm making this up. Like, when I watch the Deadpool stream, like, I get it. I get the game. I, and then I watch Pirates, and I'm like, ah, like, five five movies? Like, where where am I going? Anyway, all right, speaking of Deadpool, um, I was looking, this is an interesting thing I want to talk about. So it's interesting to me 
that people literally like just buy LEs regardless. And here's my point about that is I was I was just interested when I went into the Deadpool Owners Club because there's an Owners Club on Pinside. I was really shocked at the amount of people that were like, I'm in on an LE. I want an LE. I'm buying an LE. I got an LE. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, like that's cool. Like all these people are getting Deadpool LEs. And then I thought to myself, and none of them have played the game. Like none of them. Like they they literally have not played the game once. They have one stream from Jack Danger and these and all these people are forking over $9,000 to get a game that they don't even know they'll like when they flip it. And I have to say, that's genius marketing by Stern. The fact that you can get people to already commit to something they've never even played continues to be the greatest marketing I've ever seen in, 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 a, in a non-essential toy. I mean, literally, the, the amount of people, they don't know if they're going to like it or not. And they're just in on it. And I think part of it is because when people are fans of a property like Deadpool, they might just want it. They might have seen something that they liked in the stream that just convinced them. But for the most part, I think the LDs are part of the fear of missing out. And you don't want to, you know, you don't want to have to like miss, you know, see they're sold out, then pay more. Um, But here's another interesting thing too, because... On one side of the fence, you've got the LE people who are just, I'm all in. I've never played it. And then I was reading about someone who's actually played the game, right? There's someone posted on Pinside um, a story about how they played it or their friends played it. Uh, It's out in the wild now. And they reported that the game was really easy, that they that they got to two billion points, you know, in the game. They saw the ending of the game multiple times, that the, there was really, really long ball times, that on location, the game is not going to do great because of that, all this stuff. I don't know. You know, sometimes you have great games. Sometimes you have terrible games in pinball. I think it's really hard to say, you know, your first five flips are indicative of how every game is going to be. So let's just, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But, but. You know what I'm saying is like the reviews of of Deadpool are not even really out yet. And we have like a mixed bag. And even though the reviews aren't out, people are already committed to 9K. So that that to me, I think speaks volumes about the reality of pinball. Is you really don't even need to make a great game maybe as long as it looks great. People are going to go in on it. I mean, is that true to our hobby? I would have thought by now. With the sheer volume of games coming out, with the sheer number of games, you know, manufacturers are offering, with the sheer number of barcades and pinball shows and pinball tournaments happening around the country, I would have thought by now people would have been a little bit more hesitant to run into every new game. And I, I would have thought people would have wanted to play stuff more before they commit to it. But I guess this just shows that people in this hobby, they either have a lot of money and don't care and they just, I can just buy the next thing and, you know, uh, buying a $9,000 toy is absolutely nothing in my world. So you've got those people. Um, I think people are also, you know, they get bored of their games and they want new stuff. I mean, that's another part of pinball is it's just a game. Uh, It's rare that you would play a video game nonstop for years. Uh, I, I think people do get bored of pinball. I think it's something that people don't like to admit happens in pinball, is that a game gets old and it gets stale, and there is a desire just to have something new and fresh. I think people are addicted in today's world to opening boxes. Like, there is just this this Amazon culture of, like, new box, 
It's here. It's Christmas morning in August because Deadpool arrived. And I think there's a lot of that. Uh, I, I, I think there's also just a level of excitement around anything new in the pinball world that makes people want to say, I have it. Like there's a little bit of there's a little bit of forum uh, clout you get when you can announce that you're in on it. Like you become part of a club. I mean, and it's and that's part of like what hobbies are, right? It's like all of a sudden, I am now part of the Deadpool club. I am now part of the Batman club. I am now part of the Pirates of the Caribbean club. And I will convince you the game is great. That's the other thing too that I love about this hobby is whenever people get a game, it's always the same thing. I got the game and the game is great. You don't know what you're talking about. Rob Zombie is awesome. My name is Roto Dave and I'm traveling around the world and I'm going to open up a thread every time I go anywhere. You know, it's always the same bullshit. No one ever buys a game and is like, you know what, this game sucks. <laughs> you know, I really wish more people would be honest. Like, I just went in on this game. I paid nine grand. It arrived. And I realized I made a big fucking mistake. Now, we realize that happens all the time when people put their games up for sale and they're always like, great game. I love it. Game is awesome. You know, less than 200 plays, but will you please take it off my hands? Will you please buy it off me? And I guarantee you it's mint. It's new in box. Game is great. Game is great. I don't really want it. I'm selling it. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's usually how we get people to be somewhat honest about the fact that they don't like a game. Um, so yeah. So like, I think Stern will continue to have this formula and I think we'll see it all over again when when Monsters LE comes out but it's just it's just an interesting thing to think about is how they're able to do this in, in, a, in a world where where test driving games is pretty easy all right now speaking of test driving games uh, Chicago Gaming Company has put a call to action they are looking for people to help them test monster bash remake because they want to make sure when they release this game that they didn't miss anything uh what nobody at chicago like, like chicago gaming company is not filled with people who understand pinball who can play pinball it's a really kind of strange request i mean it i think it's part of their marketing you know they want people to come in they want them to sign non-disclosure agreements and they want them to sort of you know beat on the game for a few hours and let them know if anything pops up i, I think this is more of a marketing move than i think it's an actual quality control test you can't tell me that they haven't been doing this themselves for months. Like, what's a few hours with a guy like Hilton, like, you know, like pelvis thrusting the machine going to do? Are you, Is he going to find something out that you missed? I don't think so. I think they actually want like 20 people to come through there, 20 people to sign NDAs and then say, I saw it. It's amazing, but I can't tell you exactly. You know, it's like they want to create, I, I don't know, maybe some hype. Uh, so, uh, look, I've, I've got one of my listeners on my show emailed me that he's actually going to go and look at the machine. And I asked him to come on and talk about it after the experience once the NDA is lifted. But let's be honest. With this machine, it, it, an NDA to see Monster Bash Remake, like, we already know what the freaking machine is. We know it's going to have a big display. We know it's going to have a fancy topper. Why The fact that they, they're, like, releasing this thing in this like slowly teased out like I think it's I think it's a lame release. I mean, I want to talk to these guys. You see how it is on this podcast. I I, I love that you guys listen. But I can, no one will talk to me. No one will talk to me anymore because I I I think I'm being honest. And and, and look, you th do you think the Monster Bash remake 
like reveal as being good. Like they they literally they missed every major show. They they then they come out and they just announce that the game. Hey guys, the game you've been rumor, like speculating is actually real. Like. How bad is this launch? I mean, at the end of the day, Stern Pinball has shown everybody how to launch a pinball machine. And it's not difficult. Hey, here's what you do, guys. You reveal it, you pull the curtain off it, and you say it's shipping in two weeks. Order now. And what happens? You make a successful pinball company when you do it that way. Everyone else who's done it differently has failed, has failed to deliver. I mean, people forget. Do people forget? Jersey Jack. Jersey Jack was bailed out twice. The company shouldn't even be around unless they were bailed out twice. Like their model didn't work. You know, take all this pre-order money, make people wait for two years, three years. You know, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Um, and the Stern model is the best model. The Stern model, it, it, you know who came up with the model that Stern is now implementing? A little company that's been somewhat successful in the world. They go by the name of Apple. And Apple really changed the way technology products um, were revealed to the world. They would show you a new iPhone and it would be on sale very soon because they knew that if you could get people excited and, and, and actually take their money and get them the product uh, in a short window, you'd be super successful. And, and, and Stern is doing that brilliantly right now. Brilliantly. Um, so look, I mean... Do I do I care that CGC is doing this? No, like I I hope they find the quirks. Um, the question is, when do they release now? When does this company release this game? I mean, I think the closer they get to Expo and the closer they get to Monsters coming out, probably not the best timing for them. I think they kind of fucked up their release window. They were really hoping to show this game at TPF and have games shipping by now, and I just don't know if they have a, a strategy. I. Do you believe that they're waiting on the licensor for approval? I don't. I, I just don't buy that. I, 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 I approve. Approve what? The, you remade the game. You haven't really changed anything. You've only added good things to it. So how would a licensor look at it and be like, you know, I'm not really happy with all the major improvements you've made to this game. I want you to go back and make it the way it originally was made. That wasn't as good as what you just did. Like, come on. This thing feels like it would be approved in like five seconds. Like. Literally, I think they're waiting for a window and I think they're just trying to figure out like what makes sense. Um, again, happy for them to come on the show, clarify everything and let me know. All right. Speaking of waiting for things, the Star Wars topper, there is an update. There is an update and it is not the update you want to hear. So apparently there's a thread dedicated solely to the Star Wars topper. Now, it has been over a year a year and like a it's been like a year and two months since people have their Star Wars machines and there is still no Star Wars topper and we know the topper was supposed to be part of the game it's actually in the code it's in the menu system of the game uh, and somebody revealed what Jody all right Jody Dankberg of Stern Pinball told them this and I want to read this word for word. I was told in January 2018 at CES by Jody of Stern Pinball that the topper was in final review with Disney and would be available spring of 2018. He said the topper is the rear section of Luke's X-Wing with a very chatty and interactive R2 sitting in the back. Well, here it is now approaching fall and still nothing. Yeah, so 
I don't know what the big I, yeah, like I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I think the Star Wars topper has become the white whale of, of the pinball hobby. Part of me feels like Stern's probably just moved on. They've sold all the Star Wars. You guys gave Stern all your money. And are they really going to... If this thing's become a headache, I don't know if they even still care about trying to get it approved. Uh, I, why would it take a year to get a topper approved? Uh, that just seems like asinine. But it is what it is. There's your update. It was supposed to be out by now. It's still not out now. All right. What else is going on on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast? So that's pretty much the news. Um, not too much other than, you know, the rest of the stuff we've been talking about. I did want to address one one thing that I alluded to at the beginning of this podcast uh, that I wasn't even going to address. I didn't even want to um, talk about because uh, it, it just is what it is. And, and, and I don't want to even like reveal private conversations I've been having with people on this show. I don't think that's fair. Um, but a few people have come to me, maybe more than a few, and, and said, you know, what, what's the deal with Zombie Yeti? And, and, and he's been posting that he's not doing any more pinball podcasts. You know, I saw another pinball podcast uh, get this all wrong. Uh, they were talking about how they think I was nasty and that's why he's taking this approach. And I just want to tell my side of this story and just clear the air a little bit because I, I think it's important and I think people, you know, shouldn't be making assumptions. And I think this whole thing, this whole, with this, ridiculous drama that is unnecessary um, is rooted in a lot of people jumping to conclusions and making assumptions about things that just aren't correct. And, and I want to I start out by saying that if you've listened to this podcast and you've followed my show, you have seen me do nothing, nothing, but praise the artwork of Mr. Jeremy Packer and Zombie Yeti. I mean, go back and listen. I literally said, I think he's created the nicest pinball artwork that has ever been on a machine ever in Deadpool. I think his packages on Ghostbusters and on Iron Maiden, again, are some of the nicest pinball artwork we ever have had. I think his artwork on Magic Girl and, and Raza and Alice in Wonderland speak for themselves as being ridiculously incredible. So look, the, at the end of the day, I have nothing but respect for Jeremy. I know he's a nice guy. He's a very passionate guy. He's an artist, you know, and artists are are people who throw their heart and soul into their projects. And I know it's hard when he works so hard on stuff and people like make negative comments about it. Um, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, who could do better than him? If, if anyone who's insulting his artwork could do better, please raise your hand. And, and again, you'd see no hands go up. So, you know, what, what happened on this show and the reason I just made my comments and again I thought I made them very respectfully was just like I do interviews and and you know I'm not going to interview someone right after they've done another show it was I wasn't nasty go back and listen to what I said I no hard feelings I'm not I'm not upset you know I I didn't say anything uh, nasty about about Jeremy and and I think there was also just a lot of miscommunication or assumptions that were happening so when I took my break in pinball and this was like, remember when I went off the air for a few months and I just, I just had enough. Um, I also just had enough of like having like hundreds and hundreds of people that I just, you know, didn't know or, and I didn't want pinball in my stream anymore on, on Facebook and all my, and all my different social channels. So I just like, I got rid of like a lot of people in the pinball industry and a lot of people who followed me from my arcade story on Facebook. Uh, and that was a while ago. 
all right? And that's just because I didn't want to see updates on pinball. I wanted to just have a clean break, okay? Now, I, I, what happened is, is I think that Jeremy thinks I unfriended him because he did another person's podcast. And then he gets, he, he got mad at me. I mean, did he come to me and ask me if that's what happened? No, he just got mad. And I can't control that. You know, I can't control someone. If someone has an issue with me, if someone thinks I did something, I mean, just come to me. You know, don't, don't get mad and, and, and go to other people and, and say, you know, I'm evil. I did something wrong or, you know, I, I didn't do that. Like I, and, and what, what, what was a shock to me is I've always been ve very friendly with Jeremy. And I've always been a huge supporter of his. And I've always had nothing but good conversations with him um, on text message and in personal conversations. You know, I've always highly supported him. You know, I, you know, I, I want to tell you guys something. You know who bought his Translite prototype off of eBay? When, you know when Jeremy was like, I'm selling this because I worked really hard on John's projects and, and, and this was to support him. I paid $3,000 for a translate to support him and his work. Like I, I, I believe in the man. And, and so it, it kind of sucked. I mean, he, he, he came at me with a lot of anger and a lot of vitriol and made a lot of assumptions that just weren't true. Like I've, I've never called him any of the things that he says I called him and I and I and I said to him I, I said Jeremy I, I'd never said these things to you about you and he said they were implied and again that's that's the part that just sucks is I, I don't think you can come to the conclusion that I implied you were this or you were that the only thing Jeremy that I was implying was that you're in demand and a lot of people want to talk to you and that's a good thing and the reason they want to talk to you is because you're the best pinball artist I think pinball's ever seen. Uh, and that means a lot of people want you on their shows. But, you know, we also do pinball podcasts where if you're doing a two-hour interview with someone, it doesn't really give me much news to talk about. And that's the only reason why I, I didn't want to do the interview after that. I wasn't upset. And, and I think, too, there's just this, this unfortunate thing that happens in this hobby where... You know, people in this hobby oftentimes don't go directly to the person they're upset with, or they don't try to find out what actually is going on behind the scenes. You know, it's the same way, you know, the other pinball podcasts out there can can just immediately say, hey, like, you know, let's drain the pinball podcast that is nasty to Zombie Yeti, and I'm going to drain that because we don't need that in pinball. And and we're not a, we're not a pinball podcast that exists to be nasty. We're we're here to tell like come on like you want to talk shit about Canada's pinball podcasts, um, then talk shit to me. But that's the thing is they they can't. They've got to indirectly and passive aggressively mention this show, mention my name, and I love it too how they're like, well, we're not trying to just get listeners by being negative. And I tell you right now, and I'm gonna call you out by name, special when lit. Canada's Pinball Podcast doesn't have listeners because we are just negative. We don't have listeners because we're just trying to be controversial or trying to be provocative. I wish that people would finally just accept the fact that the reason this podcast has listeners is because we're entertaining and because we speak um, with a strong point of view and an unfiltered dialogue about pinball that most of you will never do and the reason why you can't do it because if you do do it you're not going to get 
all your stern buddies to come on. You're not going to get your friends at Jersey Jack to come on. And look, that's just the direction I wanted to take this show is I just give a personal opinion about pinball. But it's not unnecessary. It's not random nastiness. And, and that's just the thing. It's, it's like, it's cool. It's cool that you guys do your thing. It's cool that Ryan and Marty do their thing. You know, I got other people asking me too. It's like, why is Ryan always throwing you under the bus on pin side when you're always telling us you're friends? And my answer to you guys is this. I don't know. I don't know. I have a really good relationship with Ryan. And then I do see what he posts about me on pin side. And it, it, it is a little strange to me that he like won't say my name that like is constantly like in a little bit of a combative nature with the show and i don't i don't know maybe you know maybe the marty laughs um, maybe they upset him a little bit and that's why he does it but at the end of the day you know i'm friends with ryan i you know and we talk all the time and and i don't take it personally it's a pinball podcast and and i i I really do i really do want to say to zombie yeti if anything i said offended you i'm sorry i don't think you should leave pinball and, and refuse to talk to other people about your pinball artwork uh, because it is an interesting story, you know, and, and that's it. There, there's no harsh feelings. There's no bad blood. And, and the pettiness and the drama oftentimes occurs uh, because people just don't go to the people they have issues with. And, and, and so it escalates and assumptions get made. And then there's a lot of anger that builds that's unnecessary like he could have asked me straight up like did you unfriend me on facebook because i did head-to-head pinball interview and i would have told him no because that's the truth but instead it's like he's mad and then off on a crusade against me so i i just can't i can't change that i mean all i can do is tell people what actually happened and and move on so i i hope you respect that answer um, I respect all the other podcasts that are out there. I'm not sure they all respect me, and that's fine. Um, I would happily have any of them on as guests, uh, you know, and that's just the way it is. And, and I think the reason you listen to this podcast is because uh, I'm, I'm completely transparent in, in when these matters happen. So that's it, right? It's pinball. We don't need people going nuts. None of it's worth it. None of it is really worth it. I, I, I do. I, I think people who get bent out of shape in this hobby just need a break. And I think Jeremy probably just needs a break from it. Uh, but he doesn't need to, uh, you know, he doesn't need to point at things like podcast, like as the reason why. I think he just needs a break. Probably needs a vacation. It's not easy doing what he does. It's not easy uh, having people tear your work down after you spent so so long and on it and those people couldn't draw a, a fucking stick figure like i get it i mean I, I we all have other areas of our lives that stress us out too like stuff has gone on in my personal life in the last couple of weeks that if you like that means so much more to me than pinball um but i i promise you uh i am not i am not trying to push like personalities out of this hobby by being nasty and, you know, my assessment on like Pirates of the Caribbean, is it nasty? No, I'm allowed to critique these machines. I don't have to love everything. Um, I think pinball is great, but I also think pinball can be better than it is. And, 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 that, and sometimes that just means making pinball get back to what made it so great. I, I do. I think a lot of people get ambitious with pinball. And then they're not necessarily understanding what makes pinball great and the simple fun that the games of the 90s had. 
And, and, and that is where we're at. People are trying to figure out how did they make those games so great and how can we make future games equally as good without a company like Bally Williams, who we all know made the greatest pinball machines of all time. All right, everyone. That's it. I'm going to work. I got I to gotta make a paycheck so I can afford pinball. Um, hit me up at kinetapinball at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening to this show. I, I know I rant, I rave, I talk about things. I don't always say what's popular. Uh, but I, 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 I hope you feel that this is not just like the nasty pinball podcast. I, I, I think we, we try to be balanced and fair about how we talk about this hobby. If you disagree, if you disagree, come on the show talk about it. Let me tell you how many times people disagree with me that actually want to come on the show. Like one or two guests actually came on and stood up for what they believed that they thought I was such a bad member of the pinball hobby. So I, the door's open. Everyone can come through it. You know, anyone who wants to talk about this show or, or me or, or how they think I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bad influence on the hobby, come, come on, be a man. All right. I will happily go on any of your shows and talk pinball with you and you'll see what'll happen. It'll be a great dialogue. I guarantee you, it'll be one of the best interviews you had. I told this to Ryan. I'm like, you know, Ryan, you can interview everyone in pinball, but you know, Canada is going to be more entertaining than all these like two hour conversations about, you know, how'd you get into pinball? Who cares? Later, everyone. I know it's hard to keep it Thank <laughs> 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 <laughs>